There are a lot of winners and a lot of reason to be excited when looking at Auburn football's most recent scrimmage. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every Monday, Lindsey Crosby, writer at AuburnDaily.com, also host of Locked On MLB Prospects. Lindsey, we got another scrimmage. It's closed, but we all have a bunch of people that we know that were in attendance because parents can go. And so uh, parents and other sources of former players and things like that. So a lot of different reports. Closed. Some of it. Yeah, closed. Right. It's like media can't come. It's like, That's cool. That's fine. We're not owed anything. But there's a lot of different reports. A lot of it overlaps. Some things I'm going to kind of question because I'm re- reading and hearing different things from some of the folks that, that called me afterwards. And so let's jump into it. Lindsay, looking at the offensive notes, the first text I was sent from somebody at the scrimmage was Jarquez Hunter, 50-yard touchdown run, and it's very, very easy to get excited about that. Yeah, it feels like Auburn never really had that breakaway touchdown the last couple seasons, like that back that could just hit the third, like the third gear sure. after you got through the hole and evaded a blocker and or evaded a defender. So Jarquez up the middle, 50 yards, tells me a few things. One, tells me, He's found that third gear, which is super crucial. Two, it tells me the offensive line and these transfers you brought in, like an Avery Jones, yeah. guys like that, are doing well enough to give you a hole where you can do that. And then three, it tells me you're probably right to still be a little bit concerned and or questioning the linebacker room, but that's in the mm. next segment. Yep, that's right. That's right. And and it sounds like it was a good day overall from the defensive line too. So yeah, it kind of makes you pin it a little bit on the linebackers with that. The next text I received was Robbie Ashford throwing a pick six to standout corner DJ James. He's a guy that we're all very, very high on on this show. He's a friend of the program. I think he's vastly and extremely underrated. But he and Keontae Scott sounds like had their opposing wide receivers on lockdown every single snap. And that's not surprising at all to me, Lindsay. I, I, and I think the fact that he capitalized on a pick six, give it to me. I'm all about DJ James this year. Yeah, I it's it's hard when you know the guy is a stud. It's hard to turn around and say, well, here's the issue with Robbie Ashford. It's like you mm-hmm. thought that guy was probably the best guy on the defense. So he gets a pick six. You're like, eh, without being there, it's hard to evaluate and say, oh man, Robbie Ashford's bad or oh man, DJ James is great. But we know DJ James is great, so it's hard for me to get too sure. mad about that. Yeah, and, and the context, too, you know, was the right route run and all that. I'm willing to give quarterbacks the benefit of the doubt, especially early when installing a new offense. I don't think we should overreact to that by any stretch of the imagination. But it does seem like Robbie did not look as good as the other two. Once again, there could be reasons for that, and we talked about some of those going into it, like Robbie by nature is limited because he is better with his feet. And that's what makes him a special, potentially special quarterback, certainly a special athlete. I don't think there's any question of that. Um, the other two guys holding Gurn or TJ Finley do not have that, but based on everybody that I talked to and reading, you know, hoax reports and, and, and um, 
Cole's reports and, and a few other things that I've seen going around, like TJ and Holden were better than Robbie Ashford over the weekend. Yeah, uh, Golden Holden, it's something where we, we've we seen TJ Finley now. We know TJ Finley looks good in practice. We know that he doesn't always look great in the game. When the bullets are live, it feels like his gun jams way too much. Uh, so if Holden Garander can pick it up and do something with it, you feel good about that, and that has to make you, you know, feel nice. You don't love hearing about Ashford struggles. Obviously, like you said, big part of his game is the running. You can't really do that when you're not live in, in spring. And so I'm not panicking yet, but I am kind of checking to see who's available in the portal just because I'm thinking if Finley and Garner are neck and neck in spring, what does that mean for Auburn in the fall? Yeah, and you know, TJ's the guy that we all kind of thought would leave. And there's a rumor going around that I'll I'll share later in the show about, you know, is he is he actually going anywhere? But Robbie, the guy that we kind of all expected to be the leader in this going into A Day, took the most sacks, it sounds like, in Friday scrimmage, which wasn't real sacks, right? It was just uh, you know, I think they counted like three or four Mississippi. He ran out of time, whatever the timer was. And so that's not a great thing for sure, especially when the biggest thing that we needed these quarterbacks to do was work on accuracy and decision-making. And I think once you learn this scheme, the decision-making will be easier because guys in theory should be more open. That's the whole benefit of having a better offensive scheme is what we think. But until you learn that, I'm sure that's a pretty big hurdle to, to overcome. So we will see as far as the wide receivers, the targets that these quarterbacks were throwing to Robbie Ashford. Real quick. Yep. Sorry, I just thought about it. Going back, hot take real quick. With Robbie Ashford, maybe it's a good thing that he's going through these struggles because he's not live, meaning he can't run. He's having to figure out how to go from being a passer to be a quarterback. I'm trying to spin this to feel better about things so. on Monday morning. I hope so. I hope you're right. I mean, if Robbie Ashford could put it all together, I don't think there's any question. Like, the upside that he has as an athlete is tremendous. Like that would be mm -hmm. great. That'd be great for Robbie. It'd be great for Auburn. It'd be great for, for, for everybody involved. There's no doubt about it. Okay. He ran out there with the starters and the starting wide receivers were Nick Mardner, the Cincinnati transfer, Huge. Camden Brown, Huge. and Amari Kelly. Amari Kelly, Brian Harson's favorite receiver, Amari Kelly. So that's cool. I like Amari Kelly. I I'm a little surprised he was the third guy, but take that for what it's worth. And I think kind of holding on to that nugget will be important in the conversation we have in a little bit, Lindsay. And then Rivaldo Fairweather, obviously a big part of this. Rivaldo Fairweather looked good, according to all reports. I had one report say that they were very creative uh, and didn't throw to him. I forget who said that. And then another report, I think this was Cole Pinkston, said that he was good at making contested catches. My primary source that was at the scrimmage, I asked about him, and he said that he didn't really notice him, number 13, other than pre-snap motion. So I've read and been told different things about Rivaldo Fairweather, but rest assured he's a starter, and he's going to be a piece of this offense. Yeah, and I think one of the big takeaways there is, well, I guess a couple of the big takeaways there. One, it's about the size, right? You have two huge, you know, Cam Brown, 6'3", Mardner, 6'6", mm -hmm. six, six, so you've got two basketball players out there on the outside. Uh, I I believe Amari Kelly's six foot tall. So that's maybe the exception there to look like, like a smaller slot guy situation. But yeah. from some of the reports that we both got and things like that, and most of my sources are 
end up being you. Uh, Landon <laughs> King was out there on the field at the same time as Rivaldo Fairweather. So it feels like Landon King is slotted in more with the wide receivers than the tight ends. And I noticed on the roster, he's still listed at 6'5", but the weight is down to 209. Oh. Okay. And so it feels like this is kind of, I mean, he's not going to go back to tight end and get, like, and get smaller. So right. it feels like maybe that say in this offense, you've got, now you have 6'6", 209 Nick Mardner, 6'5", mm-hmm. 209 Landon King. It's just mm. that bigger body frame. He and can Camden do, Brown. He can do what Nick Marner does, like what Cam Brown does. Yep, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Yeah, I don't think that's breaking or anything, but I do think it confirms the narrative that Landon King is that. So all this stuff about like Landon King being Evan Ingram, I, I, I don't think that's it anymore. I think Evan Ingram is Rivaldo Fairweather, which is good, which is good. And I think you hope Landon King or Camden Brown or – Nick Marner, you get a little bit of um, Laquan Treadwell or A.J. Brown out of them, right? I think we would all be happy with that. Mm-hmm. So just these bigger body receivers. And look, Hugh, Hugh Freeze talked about it at his press conference last Monday about how much he likes bigger receivers. And so I, I think it just makes more and more sense that uh, that we were seeing Landon King and Rivaldo Fairweather on the field at the same time and King being at wide receiver. And a lot of pre-snap motion for Fairweather, which is what they did with Evan Ingram when Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss. All right, we already mentioned that DJ had a pick six. Who else stood out on the defensive side of the football, including some big men, some big men getting sacks, and I love it. I love it. All that and more coming up on today's Locked on Auburn. Lindsay, you know this. You know that the built March Madness bracket, it's here. It's going on, and I know you're talking about it on Locked on MLB Prospects. I've been talking about it here on Locked on Auburn. And both your listeners and my listeners now know that when you vote for your favorite Built Bar or Built Puff at BuiltMarchMadness.com, you're automatically entered into a drawing where 50 Locked On listeners will win a free box of Built. Are you kidding me? Gotta love that. And then also, one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. If you had to pick, Lindsay, you can't win. But let's assume you did win. What flavor would you pick? Would you go with your churro flavor? It's my churro flavor. I I mean, it's peanut butter brownie is close, right? Peanut butter okay. brownie is close. Sure. I love the fact that it's it's like dietary restriction free. It's gluten free, but it's still peanut butter brownie flavor. But love that. churro is the best. I'm all for that. I like caramel macchiato and then peanut mm. butter chocolate. I mean, you just can't. You can't. Very, you can't very fancy of you, Zach. Well, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Built has uh, opened up my taste buds. So... <laughs> Run over to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now and cast your vote for your favorite bar or puff and get entered in all this cool, cool stuff. All right, Lindsay, looking at the defense, we talked about DJ James getting a pick six, which is very, very exciting from a defensive perspective. Keontae Scott is the other corner. It sounds like the defensive backfield was locked down. Super, super impressive with the exception of it sounds like one play in Nehemiah Pritchett had a slip up. Other than that, it sounded like everybody was really, really solid, including, including Kay and Lee, the, who, who's going to be a very, very special, special, special player. Yeah, it's, I never worry about Auburn's defensive backs, right? Like, it's, it's just kind of the assumption, like, they're going to be good because they always are. We recruit well, we coach well, we've got enough coaches to handle the defensive backs, goodness knows. But it's, it's exciting to see, even in the, 
a scenario like this where you expect the defense to be ahead of the offense because that's what happens when you're installing the offense. Uh, there's a more of a mental load. You're having to think about what you're supposed to do. Things are slower. Reactions are slower. And defense right. is all reacting. But to, to hear that like, oh yeah, true freshman Kagan Lee did well. To hear that the defensive backs for the most part all looked as good as we thought they were, that is exciting because it makes you feel like yeah. Now your pass rush has more time to get home. Now, like you can help the, the defensive backs are so good. You can cover for maybe a poor linebacker run fit or, or, or zone drop, something like that. So it makes yeah. you feel good knowing the back end is secure. I would rather have questions about the middle than questions about the back. Uh, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that because I think the size of this defensive front is going to be able to help these linebackers when it's all mm -hmm. said and done. Let's discuss the pass rush. So there were sacks made by Jason Jones, Justin Rogers. So your two big defensive linemen that we're expecting to either start or get a lot of snaps. And then Marcus Harris, which that one is less surprising just because I think you're going to see him matched up on guards. He's one of the best in college football last year at generating pressure from inside the pocket. So that's not a surprise at all. But they stayed in a base, three defensive line, one jack linebacker. And the only Jack I heard anything about, and I'm assuming Elijah McAllister started. I'm assuming that. I do not know that. But everybody's just talking about Keldrick Falk and how impressive he is. And, Lindsay, I know we've talked a ton about the linebackers. We've talked a ton about them. Yep. And, uh, by the way, Woodyard and Steiner were the starting linebackers. Little surprising. Yep. Um, take that for what you will. But I think um, – I think pass rush isn't like a given with this. I think the fact that they're going to be able to rotate a legitimate two deep plus at most of the defensive line positions, I, I think that's exciting. And I think that's going to give them the advantage in the fourth quarter if they're playing against a team that passes it a lot. But just straight up, I'm concerned about the pass rush. So I was a little pleasantly surprised that we saw three sacks, two of them from big guys and like, look, I love Jason Jones. Jason Jones is probably my favorite player on this roster, but I'm just not expecting a whole lot of sacks from him this year. Like that's not his role. That's not Justin Rogers' role. But Lindsey, if it is, and you can get five or six sacks from those two, those guys this year, all of a sudden that changes everything about this because you know Keldrick and Elijah, whoever's going to be at that jack spot is going to get them. You know Marcus Harris is going to get a handful. And as far as sending linebackers, you know, they're going to get home just due to Ron Roberts' scheme. That would be an outlier if that did not happen. So if you can find a way to push the pocket with your big men and generate pressure, all of a sudden it, it, it opens up so many things. So many things. I'm not sure if what happened Friday is something that we're going to see a whole lot during the season, but I think it's something we should hope for. Yeah, and I was about to to make the point of the issue is during the season, there's not a clock in the pocket to run down to a sack. And we don't right. know how much of that was the defensive backs locked them down, the interior big men got a push, and time ran out yeah. versus making a move, getting around a guy, and you're about to obliterate a quarterback, and they blow it dead and, and give you a sack. I do think that having such strong defensive uh, back play, going back to that point real quick, will help the pass rush. Because you, you don't have to count on our guy's going to beat your guy now. You can have a coverage sack. You can have something where, where the, the quarterback just literally has nowhere to go with the ball. Mm -hmm. So you do have that. 
Uh, hearing about Keldrick Falk as the only one, I'm assuming Elijah McAllister is fine. 6'6", 271, he's got the frame, he's got everything. I think he is what he is. Yeah. Right? Like, I think he's going to be a solid defender. I don't he's think fine. he's going to get double-digit sacks or sniff anywhere near it, right? But, like, yeah. I think he's fine. I think we need Keldrick to really take that step forward, though. I And I don't know if you bring him off the bench. I don't know if you start him. I, I don't know exactly what that looks like. But that, that to me, if you're going to take that step as a pass-rushing unit up front, mm-hmm. you've got to figure that out. You know, it's it's – Starter, second team, I don't think in a, in a position like that, it's going to matter that much because they're both going to see the field plenty. They're going to rotate through. Interesting thing, while I was looking up the landing king size, Keldrick Falk, 6'6", 275. Actually heavier than Elijah McAllister as a true freshman. So feel like physically he's one of the rare freshmen who's ready to contend at the SEC level. Obviously, he's got to learn the technique and all of that stuff that comes around with SEC tackles. Yeah. But Physically, he's where he needs to be to compete. And so McAllister and Falk, and then either some third guy, maybe it's freshman Brenton Williams, maybe it's Dylan Brooks, or a transfer. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's on the roster. I don't think the third Jack is on the roster. I was about to say, it's, it's, it's somebody has to be that third guy and step up for us to be comfortable that Auburn's going to be able to get the amount of push they need to make the defense work. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay. I think those are all my notes. I wanted to get to on the defense. Yes. All right. So these notes, let's throw them all into a blender and let's see what it creates as far as what to expect moving forward. And I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of decisions made this week. Today's show brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. It's the final four, Lindsay, four teams remain to win it all. UConn at minus 125, San Diego State at plus 360, Miami at plus 490, and Florida Atlantic at plus 600. Is somebody missing on that I list? I don't. There was a there was a number one seed that should have been in there. There's there's never been a Final Four without a number one Elite Eight. I a was number one told. Seed. Yeah, I was told it was like the best team ever. I was told that that there was a team from this state that was not Bruce Pearls that was uh, that won the SEC regular season. And won huh. the SEC tournament and like was a number one overall seed. How, how you have to be getting this wrong? They're not there, Zach. They're yeah, I mean, just like we yeah. are. Win- winning the league championship and the tournament championship. I just thought that, hmm, all right. But yeah, be sure to head over to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. And there's a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 for new customers of FanDuel. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So head over to fanduel.com slash locked on make every moment more with FanDuel. Lindsay, I think this past scrimmage was very important in regards to both coaches and players getting a snapshot about what their current standing is. And look, I get a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's early. Oh, there's no such thing as a depth chart. They're not, you know, Coach Freeze and his pressers are saying there's no such thing as a depth chart. Like, I'm cool with that. I'm cool. And it, like, it may not be a depth chart. But to say that there's no sort of pecking order where these players that are used to being in the two deep are no longer taking snaps with the first or second team because they're still a first and second team in practice, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And if you're not getting the reps in practice, you're not going to get an opportunity to start or play in games. And so a lot of these players that we're kind of expecting to hear more of so far this uh, this spring, you kind of kind of wonder, okay, is the writing on the wall for them? Because let's just be very clear with all of this, Lindsay. 
that Hugh Freeze and the staff, they need more scholarship spots. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if necessarily conversations are going to start being had, but I think messages are going to start to be sent. We saw this with two linebackers putting their name or announcing that they were going to put in there. You can't transfer yet. So when people say that they're entering the portal, they are entering the portal in May. They're just chilling right now. You can't they're do anything playing yet. to enter the portal. Right, right. And semantics, but I just want everybody to be correct as possible when talking about this because it is a little weird and it's new territory. But I think... There's just some dudes that I thought would be getting more reps at this point. And you got to wonder, like, they are good enough to play somewhere. I think. I think. But also, this coaching staff needs these scholarships. So, like, you, you talk about the third edge spot, or the third jack, rather, and it's like, well, if you're Dylan Brooks, how do you feel about this? Right? Or if you're, if you're like a Tarvarish Dawson, like, where has he been? You know what I mean? So like, if, if you're one of these dudes that's like, okay, you know, this was your chance, and all of a sudden it's like your path to playing time is getting tougher and tougher, and that 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 trail that you need to hike is getting a little more muddy, and you're like, I don't really know if I'm going to be able to get there in time. I don't know. I don't really know how you handle it. And I think some guys will stick it out, but some guys are going to see the writing on the wall, Lindsay, and I don't know if those decisions are going to be publicly made this week, but I think a lot of people are going to start to come to terms with that this week. Yeah, I mean, if it's going into Wednesday, these two guys announce on Wednesday, you have to assume that your scrimmage is on Friday. Like, guys are are finding out what the plans are as far as the actual plays they're going to run, the rotations. Yep. And you're like, wait, yep. I'm not in the too deep for Friday? Like, it's spring. I'm not, like, I'm not, I don't, there's not a package that I'm part of. And so you see that happen. Now that you've gotten through that game, I feel like you can go back and you can look at the roster and say, okay, Look at the upperclassmen and just go through the list. Did this guy play? He didn't play on Friday. He might not be here. And that's a, a, a scenario. Either he realizes, hey, yeah. I can play somewhere. I'm going to go. Or they let him know, hey, man, we don't have any, any, we don't see a path to playing time for you. You're a senior. You've got one more year, COVID year. You can take a second. It might be better to drop down a level, go get some tape if you want to make this a career. I'm with you. I, and I think it stinks, right? But like we've heard how impressed Hugh Freeze was with this roster when he took over. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't. It was a very <laughs> low level of, of being impressed with what the roster was currently loaded with. And so if you're one of these dudes that was a depth piece under the previous administration with the expectation to be able to play this season and beyond at Auburn and you're not getting those minutes and you're, or those, those reps and those looks and those reps on tape. We'll see. And I think you're gonna see different people respond as far as another rumor that is going around. There is a rumor that somebody that works at admissions um, or I don't know what the word is leasing in a leasing office in a local apartment group. Um, I guess they're in one of the boards or maybe they're in, forgot where I saw it, but there's a, apparently TJ Finley's like looking for a place to live, like in the least goes through next year. Do you think there's any, uh, do you think that matters or do you think, ah, eh, he'll figure out a sublease situation if it, uh, if he needs to leave. Auburn is the biggest small town in the country. So I'm not shocked that this is kind of going around. Um, I can probably call a couple people and, and find out within like about 10 minutes so that I know about it. Um, I honestly, the way that apartments are in Auburn, 
I think if there's if you think there's a chance you're going to be here in the fall, you've got to go ahead and make those arrangements now. That's just the way that things work in Auburn. So much of the housing is based around the school year, sure. and TJ doesn't want to run the risk. And what it sounds like, TJ doesn't want to run the risk of finding out he does have a chance to stay and play or he doesn't have a good destination to go to and not have a place to live. Now, that being said, it is tough. Mm -hmm. It is tough to sublease in Auburn at times, especially as somebody who would not be here because you'd be an athlete and you'd be in a different, you'd be very busy and not able to take care of this. So if I'm an athlete, I'm not necessarily worrying about this right now. Like if I'm planning on, if, if I'm thinking that there's a chance, there's a good chance I transfer, I'm not worried about housing in the fall because I mm-hmm. can figure it out. Worst case, I can figure it out. And so tells me maybe he plans to be here. I'm kind of getting that vibe. And the more we hear about, you know, how far spring has gone so far, like why not? I mean, who's to tell him that he can't win it? We'll see. We'll see. Cause I mean, Auburn's not like guaranteed to bring in a quarterback. They're not, I think they're going to. And actually I think they will be in a little bit of trouble both like, as far as like program health, if they don't, but we'll see. We will certainly see. May is uh, May's a long way away. Lindsey Crosby, how can people check out everything that you've got going on? All of the Auburn writing, auburndaily.com, covering the baseball. We just had a, a series victory against Georgia over the weekend. Uh, the podcast, Locked in MB Prospects, available where we get your podcast and on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball and the Atlanta Braves writing, bravesaday.com. Yes, Lindsay and I launched an Atlanta Braves site in partnership with Sports Illustrated, bravestoday.com. Be sure to check that out. You can find all my Auburn work at auburndaily.com. And we'll see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.